Hello, my name is Tracy Hitchings. My guest today is Kev Rowland, columnist, interviewer, and author of The Progressive Underground. So good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and a very good night to you wherever you are across the globe. I'm transmitting from the Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia. You have tuned into Tracy's Prog World. So I'm going to welcome back Kev, who was here last week, Kev Rowland. Good to have you back here for Tracy's Prog World, uh, part two. So and it, it was really good to catch up with you again, Kev. Um, really enjoyed it. And it's so good to have the third volume and people are clearly enjoying it. You're getting very good feedback. So uh, where we actually left off, um, I understand that you managed, um, I think you managed more than 650 music reviews last year, I think you said, and you needed to do better this year. (laughs) And and of course, that's a good habit that keeps the wheels turning. And as you quote, you quoted, I believe, something such as um, commitments to something and work at it work at it and it is actually dedication to put in the hard yards in which make the real difference that's clearly a habit that works for you so that again brings us to the volume four so the question I have first of all so how far are you on that commitment and is there anything you can give away at all well to be perfectly honest I've done nothing on volume four since I was here last time so um yeah, that's one of the things I've decided this year is I need to take less music because um, I have access to 20 or 30 albums a week, every week. But take less music um, and spend the time. And this is hopefully going to be the last year where I'm away from my amazing wife. Um, I'm on one island. She's on the other whilst you know, we do this, um, whilst I'm working here at the moment. Um, so if I'm going to do it, I really need to knuckle down and do it this year. Um, yes. Martin, who provided the f- amazing artwork for the first three volumes, has already given me the artwork for the fourth. So I just need to get down and get it done. It's not like last time. Uh, last time I had to literally collate everything, whereas yes. this time I already have everything digitally. So it will be different um, in the sense that the first three volumes were covering a period of time from yeah 1991 to 2006. Yes. Volume four will start when I started writing in New Zealand, which is probably about 2008. And it will go forward about 300 pages. So it's, it will be as many years as that encompasses. And then that means that I'll be able to do a volume five after that. So it's more determined around page length than it is a finite set of years. And the idea really behind that is because I've never... Yeah, all right, I did stop writing for a while, but I've never really fallen away from the scene. And people seem to like, first off, how I write. Uh, They also seem to like having them in a book because it's so different, it's so tactile, it's so real. And, yeah, there's been lots, quite a lot of bands have said, well, I'm not in the books. And I'm going, yeah, but I didn't know your music back then. So (laughs) I can't go back in time. So, So the idea is... I'll go through volume four, which I already have, so I just have to compile it. So the first thing I did was I had never really consciously saved all of my writings. I went through all my emails, and now it's all filed up in the cloud, and now it's just a case of working through it all, and then it will be proofing it and all the work that it takes to, to get it ready for publication. But this should be far less than um, 
any of the others. I just got to knuckle down and do it. So that's the aim. Uh, and so it's amazing what you do. and Everybody loves it. So I just wondered, and we, we did touch upon talking about the live music scene in New Zealand, which you said you've been getting into quite a bit further there. And I'd like to hear a bit about that. Yeah, I mean, what happened was earlier in 2020, I heard that there was a local website asking for writers. So I did some digging around on the site and I didn't really know it. Um, I'd just not come across it. And the site's been around 20 years and it's called music with a Z, .net.nz. And the only condition to be featured on the site is you must be Kiwi. So it's not it's not a set site that's just set for rock or just set for blues or just set for jazz. It's actually country origin. And they do an awful lot to publicize the local scene. And so I volunteered my services and I started writing doing the normal album reviews and yeah. they do a lot of singles and EP reviews as well. But I also volunteered to do live work. And it's been great because it's actually got me back into actually what I was doing 30 years ago. I'm going to, to on Friday night, last Friday, I was at the Ding Dong Lounge. The Ding Dong Lounge prides itself on being the big on being the most well-known rock dive in Auckland. They have a upstairs, they have a music room, and they have a small stage with a very good sound system. And apparently they're fire regulated for 100 people. But if they have 100 people in there, it's going to be wall to wall anarchy because there's, <laughs> yeah, 50 would be really tight in my view. And right, I've been going there a lot. So last Friday, I saw four bands. Uh, first on was On Tick. They are a three piece hardcore punk band that I've seen or three or four times now. Loads of energy, loads of fun. Guitarist plays the, te- plays the guitar with his teeth. Bassist is actually playing a five-string <laughs> bass, which is unusual in that sort of music. Really just a lot of fun. Then we had Halo of, Halo of Ashes, which are an alternative, grungy band full of energy, very similar in some ways to the hardcore. Then we had Mariner, who are pop punk, like Blink-182. Now, all those bands I've seen quite a few times before, and they're they're all at the same sort of levelish. Then we had Cafe Fistfight. Now, Cafe Fistfight, it was the third time I've seen them. They really should become huge. They um, impress me tremendously. They've got an incredible rhythm section that are all over the place in terms of providing lots of different patterns, both on the bass and, and on the drums. But then you have a singer who's one of the finest singers I've come across in a long time. And he is also a very, very good acoustic guitarist. And then they have another guitarist who is playing seven-string electric, and he's much more of in a shred style. And you have all these different singer-songwriter, honest, they are progressive because they are just ripping through genres. And they bring it all together. And their trademark is they put lots of breaks in their music. What I mean by that is they'll, hit a, they'll all hit a spot, one beat off. You know, yeah. and they're now into new <laughs> tangents and there's threads and everything and they are so exciting but they're just one of a whole host of bands that's in the Auckland scene that I possibly wouldn't have come across um, a band I've actually been working with quite a lot is Outside In which is a t-shirt I'm wearing tonight yes they released their debut album last year Karma Train and when I describe them to people I say well there's sort of they're obviously influenced by Stephen Wilson, obviously influenced by Porcupine Tree. And they've got a very charismatic lead singer 
who performs normally in a blue dressing gown. I've, <laughs> I've, asked, I've asked him why. He said he likes to go to bed straight afterwards. And Love it. Love it. Um, but they have really, really solid rhythm section. And they're two guitarists. And one is playing, again, a seven string, and which gives a very different feel because they hit the chords in a different way. And he's going around all over the place and using a lot of effects. And then the other guitarist is almost, he's not, but he's almost doing a Hackett sort of style. And some of the sounds he's producing and some of the finesses, it's almost like keyboards and it's just filling in the sound here and there. And the other thing I really like about them is before they released their debut album and before they were signed, they actually released a series of videos on YouTube and they're proper stories. They really are proper thematic stories. And you look at them and then you discover that it's, or at the time, an unsigned, unknown band. And you're going, where's this come from? And the more I've got involved in the local scene, because I obviously, you know, I'm going to gigs yeah, I did a dozen gigs before Christmas. Um, I went to one last Friday. I'm off to I'm off to another gig on this Friday. Yeah. Got one next Thursday. Got Auckland Folk Festival the weekend after. Yeah. But I'm seeing a whole mix of bands and a whole mix of venues because I'm fortunate enough to have a wide taste in music, a very Catholic broad taste. I I ever did it one week. I did five gigs in a week. Oh, five God. gigs at my age in a week is <laughs> it, it, it's too much. It, it really is. So I had. Phoned up on, I was contacted on the Sunday and asked if I'd do Dave Dobbin on the Sunday night at Vector Arena. Dave, Dave Dobbin in particularly New Zealand and somewhat in Australia is a household name. He's been around for 40 years, used to be in the dudes, and he's had hit single after hit single. The man is royalty. He was actually knighted this year in the New Year's Honours list. So he's Sir David Dobbin now. Incredible. Um, so I went to Vector Arena to see him on the Sunday. Then on the Wednesday and the Thursday, I had Battle of the Bands competitions to attend. And they're always interesting because you never know what you're going to see. Um, and there's always one or two gems in there. And one of my favourites to come out of that actually was Channeled, which are an unusual band in that it's three music teachers and a pupil. Honestly, it's three school high school music teachers <laughs> And what the lead singer, guitarist, his old pupil, one of his old pupils plays drums. Awesome. <laughs> Isn't it great? The competition was actually won by White Noise Mafia, who are another exciting band. And I can see them getting a lot of traffic in terms of publicity because the guitarist for White Noise Mafia is the guitar tech for Alien Weaponry, who for those who don't know, are simply one of the biggest, most exciting metal bands to come out of New Zealand in the last five-plus years. Right. Um, they're getting really old now. I think the drummer now is 20, maybe 21. <laughs> um, they played Wacken Festival when he was 18, and his younger brother is two years younger. Um, that said, they played Wacken Festival in Germany when they took their signed to Napalm Records in Europe. They've had a number one hit album over here called Two. Um, and they perform a type of thrash groove metal, which is um, some of it's performed in Torreo. Because he's the guitar tech for them, he's going, to, obviously, that's going to help. I saw them before Christmas as well, stunning band. But in this week, I saw two battle bands. Then on the Friday night, I saw Looking for Alaska at their launch gig. It's a um, duo. They had a full band there that night. 
and he plays the music, she sings. She's four foot nothing high. Her voice, oh my God, one of the most impressive, broad, high, emotional voices I've ever heard ever. They got married the other week. It's really cute. So I'd love <laughs> to see them again next weekend. And then on the Saturday night, by now I was feeling a bit worn out. And we also have a policy that gig reviews have to be up within 24 hours. So I was knackered as well because I'm trying to get all the gig reviews out. Yeah. Um, on the Saturday, I went to the Thirsty, which is a well-known rock venue in K Road in Auckland. The first band was Graves. The second band was Bridgeburner. And the third band was Spook the Horses from Wellington. I was actually going to see Spook the Horses. Three guitar lineup, uh, very heavy, very interesting band. All guitarists played massive pedal boards. Great. To get to that, I had to get through Graves and Bridgeburner, who I didn't know. The same guitarist in both bands, apart from him, that's totally different lineup. So consequently, the bands often play together. Yeah, Napalm Death. Um, one was Napalm Death and one was Napalm Death with a bit more port to it, if you like. <laughs> awesome. Um, first time I've ever come across volume being used as a weapon. It's the first time <laughs> ever I've had to go and find earplugs. Because I think I'm getting too old for this. <laughs> you know, I thought you had to find... I was at a folk gig last night and I'm this now. Didn't you have to find earplugs for the Flower Kings? Or was that because of your daughter, your young daughter? No, that was for my daughter. Yeah, yeah. yes, yeah. Okay. No, no. <laughs> I, don't, I, I know quite a lot of people these days go to gigs and they do wear earplugs. Um, yeah. I've worked out that my hearing, if it's going to be munted, would have been munted years ago. So I don't wear earplugs. But that actually was... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was incredibly loud. Incredibly powerful bands. And in fact, going back to we've said before about musicians are grateful. Yeah. So I was at the gig and I've met Josh, who's the um, guitarist. And we had, a, we had a long chat before the gig. Turned out we'd actually been to some of the same gigs. We had a long chat about the best Napalm Death album. We agreed to disagree. And so, you know, this sort of thing. The gig finishes. You know, it's all over. Everybody's packing up and I'm putting everything away because I'm old school. I write in a notebook, you know. <laughs> and he's going, oh, Kev, 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 did you, did you have a good time? I said, yeah, no, it was really good. I said, review will be up in about 24 hours. I'll send you the link. All oh, right, right. Next thing I know, he's given me a T-shirt for Bridgeburner, a T-shirt for Graves. He's given me the two vinyl releases they still have for sale for Graves. And I'm going, just because I was there, you know, yeah. just because yeah. as a music writer, I had bothered yeah. to go along and then I yeah. bothered to write about them. Um, and what he doesn't know is I've actually reviewed all three of their releases and that should be up on a website later this week. So I'll then send him the link. But getting out to the live scene here and seeing these bands is just wonderful. And it, for me, it takes me back to the bad old days when we were at the Standard. And there were <laughs> yes, a couple of hundred people. It was a good night. But yeah. 30, I mean, if you've ever, I'm not sure if you've ever played a Monday night at the Standard, Tracy, but I mean, I've been there when it's been 10 men and a dog, you know. It's, um, at the Standard? I don't recall. I'll have to think about that one. Yeah, you can, you go to, I mean, I, don't, I remember going to the marquee and it was Eddie down and jump and it was only downstairs open and there was only about 50 of us there, you know. Um, so we've all been to gigs where there's hardly anybody and it reminds me of that. But I went to see a New Zealand band called My Son Stilts um, a couple of years ago. And it was at the King's Arms, one of our favourite venues here, which unfortunately is gone now. Right. And a woman came up to me at my, about my age and she pointed out her son in the band and asked me which one was mine. <laughs> she couldn't believe I was actually there for the music. Oh, that is priceless. 
That is priceless, darling. I just love it. Oh, more of that. Come on. That's just so funny. (laughs) This is the great part about the journey as well. All these things that happen. I just love it. The life scene here is incredibly vibrant. And I understand how lucky we are. And you are lucky. Well, I say you're very blessed at the moment because obviously you don't have those restrictions, do you? Uh, But do you have to wear a mask in the gig at all or no? No, none at all. And these are big, sweaty, horrible, nasty things. Yeah, I was at Alien Weaponry the other week, just before Christmas. And it was at a venue called the Power Station, which is the closest thing to the marquee I've found. So it's big downstairs, nice balcony all the way around upstairs, not too big. You get to see everything. Uh, I went upstairs because I'm too old to get involved in a mosh pit anymore. And I'm trying <laughs> to write about it. So, you know, I want to see it and I want to be able to have a place where I can stand. I went upstairs and I noticed it was R18 upstairs, which was a bit of a pain in the neck. So there's no bar. And I'm going, oh, that's weird. Honestly, it was the youngest crowd I'd ever seen at Metal Gig. There were people there younger than me with their children, and I'm only hoping that there was lots of earplugs available because there were lots of fairly young kids at the gig as well as a lot of teenagers. And I'm sure that's because the band have hit into the fact that they are very proud Mari and the fact that they do they perform some of their songs in Toreo. And I think it's really hit a chord here in New Zealand. And it's, you know, that was the end of, a again, the nationwide tour. But we are starting to get some international bands coming. So Crowded House, for whatever anybody thinks, they are a Kiwi band because they're a direct spin-off from Split Ends, whatever anybody says. Okay, I shan't argue with that. They are doing a tour here. In They're touring here in March. So obviously there's a couple who, Neil Finn and a few others actually live here. But the ones who are coming over from overseas, they're actually, it's all arranged that they're going to come over and quarantine and everything else. So they're actually doing a proper tour, but they're doing a bigger tour than would normally happen because they can't play anywhere else. You know, they can't tour Australia, for example. So what they're doing is they're actually doing a, they're going to places in New Zealand that possibly they wouldn't normally go to. Yeah, yeah. Which is great. Um, yeah. yeah. But they are a direct spin-off of one of the greatest New Zealand bands ever. But before Christmas, one of the, one of the nicest gigs I've ever been to was... Um, the biggest pub gig in the world. So the biggest pub gig in the world featured five bands. It was all bands that were well-known in the 70s. And the night was to celebrate the last ever gig by The Dudes, which was mm-hmm. um, a band that um, they a couple of the most iconic New Zealand songs. Anybody into New Zealand music will know of The Dudes. They'll know of songs like Bliss. So it was going to be... These bands were all big in the 70s and they all played pub gigs. So it was billed as the biggest pub gig in the world. And I'm thinking, well, this is weird. So when I got the ticket and it was a general admission, and I thought, well, that's weird because it's being held in Vector Arena, which is, you know, see, it's, it's an arena. So we only got the ticket. So I got the ticket and me and my mate, we go up and we're walking in and we get stopped by someone. And they said, oh, hang on a minute, please. I need to stamp your wrist. What? So we got a stamp on our wrist like the old days of a guitar. We walked into the venue and we walked straight in onto the ground floor, if you like. They closed all the bars that are normally around the outside. They brought the bars into the floor. And then for that night only, all the bars were actually named after the old Auckland 70s rock venues, like the Windsor Castle. Wow. So these are all around. And we're all, all, I'm going... Oh, my God. The food at the back 
was from the White Lady, the famous um, White Lady burger van that you yeah. see in Auckland. Yeah. That was actually where the food was coming from. And we just got, this is unreal. There was there were some couches and some standard lights and that sort of thing, which was um, incredible. So we went up the stairs and into the seats and I'm going, this, I'm just looking around going, and there's old memorabilia, there's little framed pictures on the wall as if you're in a pub, you know, and all yeah, this. Yeah. And I said to my mate, I said, this, this is incredible. I said, all we need now is a compare and a meat raffle. <laughs> yeah. So the compare then came out and he told us that in between every act, there would be a raffle. And for every pint of beer you bought, you got given a ticket. And the meat prizes would be at the ticket office at the end of the night. So they literally did a raffle all the way through. <laughs> and it was five bands. And they started off with Hammond Gamble, who used to be in a band called Street Talk in the um, 70s, who played blues rock. Then you had Hello Sailor, who were just on fire. They were great. It was a classic band. The next band I didn't know. The next band was Citizen Band. Yeah. Apparently the first ever Kiwi supergroup. But I'd never heard of them because obviously I wasn't here in the 70s. Then we had Jordan Luck. Now, Jordan Luck used to be in the Exponents. And again, he's another icon over here. Yeah, because they've had some big hits, but he thinks he's Rod Stewart. <laughs> and everybody on stage that night, apart from, he was the youngest name, if you like. Everybody else around him was like in their 60s. So he's about 10 years younger and his band are younger than him. So they were the band <laughs> full of energy and running around and really hitting it hard. And then you had the dudes who played their last ever gig. You know, Dave Dobbin, who now is say, very well known as a solo performer, he was a guitarist in the dudes. Yes. So he sang lead on a couple of songs, but for the most part, he's just playing guitar. And he was having a blast just playing guitar. And it was, but all the work and effort that had gone into that, you know, all that effort of coming up with this was going to be how they were going to do it. And he just made it special. But we're having... Some of our bands here are running, they are big enough to do arena shows in New Zealand. People like 660 or LAB, they're big enough that they can sell arenas um, here, even if they can't do it anywhere else. But to me, I actually, they're nice and they're fun, but I actually prefer the small gigs where you don't know what you're going to yes, find. Yeah. The, the, when I go on Friday, there's four bands on Friday. I know one. Yeah. I don't know the other three. I have yeah. no idea. I know nothing yeah. about them apart from yeah. what I've read. And I'm going, I'm going to go and see them. Yeah. And... You know, I've just had an email come through from one of the bands because I've hit them up for their set list and they're just over the moon that someone's going to be there writing about them. Yeah, because no one ever writes about them. So it just makes you feel, I don't know, it makes you feel that you're actually doing some good. You know, actually getting the word out. Yeah, absolutely. And as I was saying um, to Modern Husband the other week, we all owe you guys. There's, look, you know, right at the top of my head now, there's Martin Hudson. There is Kev Rowland, you right now. There is uh, Chaz. And I'm sure there's more. There's, you know, we're going to get Jerry on the show. All you think, we owe you a debt of gratitude. And it works all ways. You get the joy of doing what you love, don't you? But we do. Without you, we simply would not have been there. We simply would not be remembered, unfortunately. Well, it might be someone's memory, but it would never have been noted. Mm. Now that's there forever. It's, it's a book. Their books. I mean, how important is that? What 
a great experience you must be having with this now because you've got it you know hemmed under you know what you're doing with it don't you um so this third one like you said was a quite a joy so the fourth one when you're ready to do that is going to be quite a joy because you know what's happening yeah it's um it is good and it makes it makes a real difference and if we take you as an example all right you met your lovely husband you met your lovely husband years after the period i've been writing about and i know he's really enjoyed going through the books hasn't he oh yes absolutely finding out all this information he had no idea about he's been trying to understand and put the pieces together about the the life that i had and you know joining some of the dots here and there and going wow you know so it's great that's why it's so great people if you hadn't have done what you've done that would have kind of been lost knowledge really because i could talk about it but when you when it's in writing and it's in it's in an order it's in a chronological order or, or whatever it's my God, you don't understand the gratitude we feel for, for you guys. I, I, well, I hope you do. I do hope you do. We all do it for different reasons, but we all have a drive. And The drive is the real true passion of the absolute love for what you're doing. Even if it can get a lot and sometimes a lot to be dealing with, it is that driving passion which, which gets us there, isn't it? Is that, is that how you feel? Yeah, and, and it is. And it's that drive. It has to be done. It's, it's both sides of the fence, you know, and I... I think we said back before, I, I know hardly any musician in our scene who um, doesn't have a full-time day job. Maybe Clive, maybe Nick, but that would probably be about it. You know, and some of them who have full-time jobs in music, maybe Carl Groom, mm-hmm. he has a combination of playing in his own band Threshold and he'll be engineering here and producing there and doing live sound there. And you know, so a bit of a, a bit of a mishmash even if he's making his music, is living just from music. And you've got others who are, you know, the lead, the lead singer at Galahad's an accountant has been for years and years and years. Yeah. Mm, yeah. But mm. it's, we do it, we all do it, both musicians and writers of the scene. People who are involved in the prog scene don't do it for money. They do it because they have to. Yeah. And it's both sides, yeah. sides of the fence. Um, you've got Jerry Van Kooten coming on soon. I've known Jerry for years. Um, he's highly involved, obviously, with DPR, the Dutch rock. Dutch progressive rock pages, DPRP, yeah. one of the finest websites around. Yeah. But he also is making it his mission to work on archiving of old material to, to make sure it stays and doesn't get lost. And he was yeah. so excited the other day. I heard from Rob McElraith, who was one of the two people with Graham Younger behind Blindsight. Yeah. Blindsight fanzine in the early 90s only lasted six issues. But I can honestly say without Blindsight, probably my writing would never have happened to the scale it did because I was inspired by Blindsight. And Rob sent me digital copies of the six issues. Now, I've immediately gone back to Rob. Can I send this to Jerry? Because Jerry wants to properly archive this and put it up on a website. And Jerry's gone, uh, Rob's gone, oh, yeah, that would be great. So I've sent it to Jerry and Jerry's going, great, do something with this. Yeah, and it's those writings from those two Scots guys who were so excited. I remember reading about Blindsight yeah, we did this amazing tape. They were one of the few prog bands out who didn't have a um, didn't have a keyboard player. There was intricate guitar. This is before the terms prog metal yeah. had come yeah. out. This was yeah, <laughs> before we'd split prog into subgenres. And I remember reading that review and going, "Oh, I've got to get that. I've got to get that." And there was so many other bands that we were all going, "Oh, we've got to find out about that." And we were me and Graham Younger. We'd be swapping. Have you heard of? Did you know about? Have you seen? Have you spoken to? Yeah, and that's what it was like back then. And we're all trying to do it. So, but we don't want to lose sight of all that work that was done. No, exactly. Yeah. 
I was talking to Jeremy the other day. What you have to remember is my progressive rock writings was probably a little bit more than half of what I was writing about. But I was doing the same for metal and jazz. Yeah. But I just haven't got the energy or enthusiasm to go back through all the old issues and come up with more volumes. Prog is what I've always been yes. known for. But I've always written yeah. about other things yeah. as well. So in this week, what have I reviewed so far this week? I've only reviewed four albums so far this week. I reviewed, oh, I reviewed two Neil Young albums. I reviewed the reissue of Rick Wakeman's Christmas Variations right. album, which only got sent to me the week, week before Christmas. And I, got re- I also reviewed Orchestral's Christmas album. Now, Orchestral is, by Alan, is the band run by Alan Davey, who took over from Lemmy and Hawkwind. Yes. Um, after Lemmy Paul got kicked out. And he plays space rock. So it's a very interesting uh, interesting is probably the best <laughs> word I can come to describe that album with, which is a combination of weird things. <laughs> and only one real space rock number. And I think if he'd done space rock all the way through, it got away with it, but not not the rest. But that's what so this week I've reviewed four albums. And to be honest, none of them are prog. You know, space space rocky, messy, well, not really. Rick Waitman. Yes, you can call that aggressive, however. The Christmas Variations albums are all based around the piano. Yeah. Yeah, with some, so it's not what I call progressive. It's his classical thing, yeah, which I love. I love it. Yeah. So. Oh, so do I. <laughs> yeah, I do lots of different, we all do. We have to. Today I've been sent an album called Softworks by Leo from Moon June, who's, Leo Pavkovich is an amazing person. He runs this label as a hobby and he's always searching for amazing music. And he's released a an album by Softworks, which was Elton Dean, etc., um, back from 2003, a live recording that's never been made available. So that's out now. So much music. Yeah. There's not enough time to do justice to all of it. It's so great to hear about all these different ones. And thank you for pulling them my way, because um, I'm sure I can go after some of them and bring them on the show. Going back to the um, Progressive Underground again, you were talking about blurry lines and different things and what is prog, what isn't prog. And I thought what was actually quite funny was um, something that you said about Threshold. And I think it was Wounded Land. And and you were t- t- giving some sort of a description of them. And it went something like, the best way to describe them is if Black Sabbath met Deep Purple in a dark alley <laughs> and got mugged by Magnum. I remember that. <laughs> As soon as you started, I, mean, I knew exactly what you're going to say. And there's something about a mishmash of... This mishmash was pulled firmly into the 90s and given one of the best vocal talents of the business. So and it, it, it made me laugh because you went on to say about them... Or, or I can't remember what the order was, but them trampling all over the place with these different... What are they? Heavy? Are they prog? Are they this, or that? But you said all these things, but said, my God, this is the best I've ever heard. <laughs> Tell me more about that. <laughs> I'll never forget that album because that's Wounded Land, which was the first Threshold album. Um, I knew, at the time, I knew Carl really very well. Mm. Um, yeah, I was around Clive's a lot. I was following Shadowland around like a puppy. Um, so I was, I, was at, I was at the house a lot. And Carl and I knew each other. And we were, we were in Whitchurch, which, for those who don't know, is a tiny village in Hampshire. And for a period of time in the 90s, it became one of the centres for progressive rock music. So in some ways, like CRS did in Rotherham, they were doing something similar down there, and it was being done by the landlord of the local pub. Yeah. I can't remember who was playing that night. I think possibly Jadis. But Carl and I ended up in the fish and chip shop, which was 
the other side of the street to the hall because we were playing the village hall. And we were just chatting. And he said, oh, I've got the new, I've got the new threshold. And I was like, oh, great, look forward to hearing that. He said, well, here you are. And he had the CD in his pocket. It was only later I found out it was actually his own CD. It was the one that he'd been given by the record label. He was just carrying it around. Yeah. And he gave it to me. There you go. I actually had a CD player in my car, which these days doesn't sound unusual, but actually at the time it was. My pe- my dad had won it in a competition in the Daily Express and gave it to me. I mean, that's... <laughs> Excellent. And that's why I had a CD player in the car. Yeah. And I put it in and I went, you know, bang. I'd never really heard anything like it. Frog metal wasn't a thing then. This is, we're talking about 92, maybe, maybe 92. But prop metal hadn't come out in the way that we think of it now. Yeah. So to hear a band that was mixing really, really heavy music, very riff hungry music with keyboards and progressive styles, and you know, that at the front they had Damien, um, yeah, amazing singer. And it just just took me to a different place. Of course, then you come through all this, and I'm going. I've never heard anything like this before. <laughs> so what do I say about it? <laughs> you know, how do I describe it? And, um, you know, Threshold are a band that I have I've followed keenly um, and still do, and they're still producing amazing music. Mm. And they actually haven't had that many lineup changes. I mean, Damien, I think, was singer three times, which is a bit greedy because even landmark only had him twice <laughs> but you know he's yeah he, he's been in and out of it yeah. but it's always been carl it's always been um steve and i still think that one of the best music dvds you can buy is the live i'm going to call it critical energy but that may be wrong okay. it's the live there's the live dvd that came out at that time but you can play that with carl and richard in the studio just talking and it just adds another light to it. And they are in a great band. But yeah, as soon as you started that, I thought, yeah, I know I remember that that <laughs> mix. Because I was trying to work out how to get the heaviness and the pomp and circumstance and yes. the great vocals all into one place. So I, I just went, yeah, you're in a dark alley and you're getting mugged by, um, by Magnum, who are still going. And the lead singer of Magnum, they've just released their latest album. Bob Catley, I think, is now 72 years old. <gasps> and he's still hitting the high notes. I, I love him. Absolutely incredible. He was great to work with on, oh, Jabberwocky. Oh, he was so much fun. Oh, that's right. Yes, you were both on Jabberwocky. Oh, he was he was just a, such a social animal. I've never seen anybody, right, smoke as much <laughs> and just knock a bit of Jack Daniels back, scream and shout. I thought, crikey, you've got to sing the next day like me. Yeah. And, of course, I thought, well, I, I pulled back, you know. So the next day I wasn't too hot at all. I really wasn't. I thought, well, he's not going to give anything. Well, I'd never heard a voice so extraordinary in my whole life. Cut right. It was, um, he was amazing. I mean, <laughs> he could do that to himself the night before. We, we just had a great party at Clive's. But uh, I mean, obviously, you wouldn't normally always do that when you know you're going to sing the next day. But it was just this great, um, you know, obviously Magnum, you know, those those hits in the 80s and everything like that. He's a great guy. Yeah, he's, he's an really. amazing singer. I saw them four times live in the 80s. Just oh my god, stunning, stupendous voice, yeah. stunning. Yeah, it was funny. I came across Magnum when they released a double single for 50 pence <laughs> in 1978. 
And I thought, well, for 50 pence, I like the picture on the cover. I had no idea what they sounded like. So I bought it. And it was some live tracks. And I loved it so much that I went and bought Marauder, which was the live album. And then I bought the two albums they had already released. So I can honestly say I've been a fan of Magnum for well up for over 40 years. And they're still chunking out good albums. And they're still performing live. Yeah, they still tour and they do a lot of work with bands like might be Blind Guardian, but they do a lot of work with German bands as well. But he's just an incredible singer and he always hits the notes. I know. It's outrageous, isn't it? I must try and get Bob on here. I really must. He was such a joy to be around. Oh, you ought to. That would be, that'd be stunning. Oh, he's such a joy to be around. And uh, oh, we did a lot of silly things. We went into photograph booths and to, had photographs of ourselves making silly faces, the pokey oak tongue. Would you never remember the old photograph booths? Um, but yeah, so that's just really reminded me of that time. Yeah, God, I remember having uh, talking to Clive long before he did Jabberwocky. Right. And he had this great thing. He said, oh, I'm going to do this album. And I went, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're always doing albums. I'm going to do it with Rick Wakeman's son. Oh, right, yeah. And we're going to have Rick narrate it. And I went, pardon. <laughs> I said, that's what we're going to do. We're going to have Nick Rick narrate it. And then I asked him how he got Robert Powell for, um, for Baskervilles. Yeah. And he said that um, Robert Powell came up to him at the party. So I presume it was one of Rick's. And said, oh, I'll do the next album for you. And I'll do it at the same rate as Rick did. And Clive said, he didn't charge me anything. <laughs> and apparently Robert said, I'm not that cheap. <laughs> But I love Baskervilles. And it's difficult, Clive. I was over Clive's one day, and I happened to say to him in passing that Baskervilles had been out for years by then. We would have been over there talking about Arena, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and I happened to say to him in passing that one of my daughters, her favourite album in the world was Baskervilles. And um, next thing I know, off he's gone, and he's, I don't know what he's doing, and he comes back, and he's got a copy of Baskerville from the store, and he's ripping the plastic off, and he's got a pen, and he said, what's her name? You know, and she's still got that, you know, now to this day. He's still got it. She's still really pleased with it. She still plays with it, and it's on the cover, to Hannah, love from Clive. Oh, you know, lovely. Oh. Lovely guy. So, and, when are you getting Clive on here? Oh, my God, when he's good and ready. But do you know what? I've told myself as well, um, you, you know, don't go for the obvious. Just, you know, just kind of work at it a bit, kind of get in there because, you, you know, I mean, I haven't gone for Landmark, as you can see. That would be obvious, wouldn't it, you know? It would be. You need to get Nick on and then you can say, I was reading Kev's book and he's, in that you said you wanted to do an album with me 30 years ago. Why did you never do it? Actually, before I started this podcast... I was having chats with, uh, a couple of chats with Rachel, Nick's um, uh, lovely lady. Wife. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wife now. Yeah, sorry. Yes, Wife they got now, married. married. That's right. Yeah, yeah, Rachel Barrett now, isn't it? So it was Rachel Wills, wasn't it, before? Wills, And yeah. um, I, I actually, um, before I started the podcast, I um, did a Zoom with her to um, just have a chat about things. And she gave me some really good tips because she's been around it so much, you know, saturated by it over the years, where I've been a bit away from it. I've gone, come back to Australia, I've got married, and I was a bit away from it before then, trying to just do my own thing. And she gave me some marvellous tips about it and everything like that. And I said, you know, I'd love to get Nick on eventually. I said, but maybe not to start with, somewhere down the line if he's interested. So I can just, you know, sort of learn what I need to learn, make all my mistakes, sort of wonderful people like Kev Rowland. <laughs> no, that's not true. It wasn't, it's, that's not true, but it does sound funny, doesn't it? But it really was just that the obvious people that I've known very well in my life, he's a 
spend, you know, in the early years, a, a bit of time down at Nick's place and parties and things like that. And uh, I just didn't want to go for the obvious. I wanted to make myself work a bit of it and uh, see what it was really like. And to, to do somebody that you don't know that well, that you haven't been hanging around with all that. So you understand what it is to pull questions out or, or hear the shows back and find your own mistakes so you can grow with it kind of thing you know so uh, yeah so that's how that came around but uh, but thank you for that tip because you've reminded me again of that so I think it might be time <laughs> <laughs> it might be time wouldn't it so oh well this has been absolutely wonderful I don't care how many times I say that it really is important it's a book that's housed everybody that's had an idea that's pulled it into fruition that it's become music and then for that to be known we have you know people like Kev that come and pull it into a book so you can see for yourself that it's out there somewhere thank you so much and I know all of you out there listening in would have absolutely loved this and um, I know a few quite a few of you have got this book anyway but if you know somebody that you could buy it for or you know tell them to get on Amazon so all you guys out there uh, Kev's just about to say goodbye to you now what would you like to say, darling? I would say if you're lucky enough to be in an area where there's live music at the moment, go and support the local bands. And when music scene comes back up, wherever you are, just get out there. Music lives in the live environment, you know, and support the local bands and discover proper music. Don't just listen to what the radio says. I think that's a very good quote. Thank, thank you for that, because we do tend to be very sort of um, robotized by what media and radio says. And there's just so much more. As I was talking to Dave Green about the underground of music when he first, that's the fan, the super fan that comes on. So that's so true. You've got to, we've got to support the stuff so it doesn't die and it's bum. So, uh, yeah, so thanks, Kev. And uh, thank you to all of you who have come on and enjoyed these shows. Don't forget to go back and also collect the other two shows from season one. We're now in season two. So thank you again from the heart. Take care of yourselves. Be careful and um, keep your chin up in these tough times, of course. And sending you lots of love out there. Here's Kev Rodin saying goodbye. Bye, everyone. Have an amazing year. And let's hope this one's better than the last one. Yes, and, and touche there, Kev. Thank you for that. And uh, okay, guys, here we go. I'd like to thank you so much once again for joining me. I really appreciate you very much. And uh, thank you once again. It's over and out from Tracy's Prog World.